0: Welcome to Movie Go-Around, the film podcast that rotates between different themes every single week on a five-week schedule. This week's theme is Around the World. Hello, everybody. My name is Brett Stewart. Joining me, David Luzader, the picker of this movie. How are you? Oh, I am, I am well.
1: Happy to be here. Happy to be recording. How are you doing, Brett?
0: Oh, I'm doing well here in, in Austin. It's like 80 degrees out. And that is a welcome change from, uh, Chicago winter but Nicole yeah. you are probably <laughs> oh yeah I don't have to dig myself out of hot no, I, I gotta mean, dig I, myself out of three feet of snow I
2: went to college in Chicago I, I remember <laughs> Chicago winter I remember several days where the weather forecaster said basically just just don't go outside just <laughs> yeah, don't go yeah. outside. Um,
0: well how are you Nicole Davis
2: <laughs> I'm good except my toes are cold because my apartment is poorly <laughs> insulated but that's it is what it is so I got to put my extra socks on for recording.
0: Everyone's got their own weather problems. Yes. Grass is always a little greener. Well, uh, David, you picked a movie with a lot of green grass in it. It's a very vibrant film for around the world. You picked a Japanese film. Before we introduce it, I do want to announce next episode's film. It is a You Did This To Us film. That means you, the audience, voted. You can go to youdidthistous.com and go ahead and vote right on that URL. So you did this to us.com, be sure to vote on that. But this one will have already passed because you will have already voted, meaning you're gonna have to look out for it in the future.
2: But uh you voted on. Hey there, it's future Nicole. We will be watching the 1982 Don Coscarelli classic, The Beastmaster.
0: That's who you voted on. Maybe add like an echo effect in the <laughs> in post. Um so uh David though, you picked 2009's Summer Wars. Yep. A student tries to fix a problem he accidentally caused in Oz, a digital world, while pretending to be the fiance of his friend at her grandmother's 90th birthday. Why did you pick Summer Wars? I've never heard of this film before
1: uh first of all i have to correct the synopsis a little bit he doesn't accidentally cause it uh it's not it's not his fault uh he
0: doesn't and it's also really not his friend as much as it is like the cool girl in school that picks him to
1: be a part uh, of uh, anyway this movie i saw um nick shermuxis my my co-host on the um hit me one more time podcast which i forgot the name of my other show (laughs) <laughs> uh he he came to visit me a long time ago brought this movie we didn't watch it but he accidentally left it behind and so a little bit after he left i popped it in I uh, greatly enjoyed it have seen it a couple of times um and yeah just thought uh thought it'd be fun to bring on here i've never like discussed it i've just watched it so i thought it'd be interesting to kind of dig in, do it a little bit more critically
0: so you had a dvd copy of this then yeah yeah, it's a, it's a rough one to find. Uh, yeah. Nicole, I know you bought it,
2: right? I did. I had to get it off eBay. So.
0: It not even on Amazon?
2: It was on Amazon, but I prefer not to buy from them if I can avoid it. Oh, sure. sure. While um, yet still giving them some of my money every year so I have access to Prime. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, you certainly have the highest of moral grounds in this use case, because when David picked this a couple weeks ago, I was like, oh, great. No problem. It's on Voodoo. It happens to be on Voodoo." It wasn't on Voodoo anymore. <laughs> so <laughs> I had the, to, to go some other route to uh, watch I, it, but I did and uh, watched the- Our, our, ar- <laughs> Ahoy, mateys!
1: Yeah, I, I held off. I've wanted to do this movie for a while, but I, I held off for a while because I knew- it was hard to get a hold of, and I just kind of, and you know, I just kind of bit the bullet and was like, okay, well, I'm sure they can find
0: I- it. I'm glad you did. I'm really glad you did. And I would highly encourage people that if the discussion piques your interest, to go and get it legally, and and check it out that way. Especially if there's a way to get this in a, in a fashion that can support the original creators. I know that like Funimation has a has a website you can buy off of, and they have the copy of it that they'll ship to you. So, I don't know if they're the original, if they're just a distributor or not. I don't they're know. A Long story short, we all got it. Did everyone watch a sub or dub?
2: I watched or both. both. Like
0: Nicole.
1: I I just watched I've only watched the um the sub. I've never never heard the
0: dub. Yeah, I only watched the sub as well. So, why don't we why don't we start that off the bat? Nicole, was the dub any good?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, there were some voices I recognized from other anime, so they're experienced anime voiceover artists okay. who typically do the English versions of these sorts of things. Uh, I did notice that while I was watching the Japanese version with the English subtitles, I felt like the subtitles had a lot of nuance and caught what people were trying to say if it wasn't even a, if it wasn't a direct translation and yeah. then i watched the english version and the english subtitles do not match the english script yeah that uh, really for the dubbed version
1: that happens because they're, they're so, they have to match the mouth movement with right, with more recent right. stuff hmm. they can adjust that a bit more like on the fly um and post-production stuff but yeah a lot of the time it is it is because yeah they're trying to match The words to the mouth movement so you have to take the same essential line and try to force that in with different words
2: right although i thought actually that the english script was yet more nuanced than the Mm. english subtitles were interesting you know there were more uh, idioms thrown in that i think someone who really had studied well who really knew japanese in depth Had found an analog that English speakers might understand better, and put that in instead. So,
0: oh, very cool! All right, well, I love to hear that. Yeah,
2: (laughs) that's just a theory. I don't speak Japanese. (laughs) I can like count to ten and say hello and goodbye. Um, That's about it.
0: Well, our our first our first discussion topic is Ernest Klein. You hack and now i I haven't read his work, but I know that this is co- constantly a hot button topic amongst geeks, Ernest Klein. go ahead <laughs>
2: <laughs> author of Ready Player One, which this movie resembles, but predates so where did Ernest Klein get this idea of having a virtual world where there has to be a big showdown
1: though th- thankfully, thankfully there's uh not. Uh, endless masturbatory 80s references in this film
2: (laughs) no no it actually very carefully does not have a lot of pop culture references generally i don't think i think i'm not sure the name of the satellite is Arawashi, which could mean wild eagle or it could be the name of a Mongolian Sumo wrestler, <laughs> which was the first and, like the first fifty results that I found when I tried to look up what Arawashi meant. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm,
1: I'm glad you're you're right, because, like the digital world, all the avatars are generic animals. Yeah. Like, or people with like animal features. They didn't be like, Oh, well, let's put in a bunch of like anime references and or Super Sentai stuff or like somehow let's get Disney to be part. Oh, just kidding. They would never. Um, but I think it's, (laughs) I think it is to the movie's credit. Because it's not distracting. Like the only thing, really, is uh, John and Yoko, <laughs> the the yes. guardians of yeah. Oz. But they're <laughs> I liked that. I, yeah, I did too. I really liked that that naming. they're just like giant space yeah. whales. Is all they are. Um, and I think that helps it not be distracting.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it seems like to me that if there's anything the film is reverential to, it's a previous piece of this director's work. You know, I, I did discover that he had directed an entry in the Digimon movies, the second one sure. in 2000. And the the plot seems eerily similar to this movie, as do most of the visuals. And in fact, there's a I put it in our show doc, and I'll put it in the show notes as well. There's a side-by-side of a lot of the key scenes that look very similar. And I don't think that's necessarily a, a slant against either. They both seem pretty cool. But it's interesting that I think he might have recycled one of his ideas to do something a little bit different oh, with it. Wait, I've seen... Oh, man...
1: I've seen that movie. Now that I'm like looking at it, I remember when like the Digimon movie came out. Now I kind of want to go like look that up having watched this more recently. Oh, interesting.
0: Interesting. Yeah, apparently like when he was working on the Digimon movie, he had this idea he wanted to roll with and then I guess like the parent company of of cuz Digimon is like to my understanding, aren't they originally like like a video game?
1: Um, yeah, I think they were like Tamagotchi, like, or like Tamagotchi
0: things, like digital monsters, right? So like, yeah, you're right. They're like Tamagotchi. Oh, they're the masculine counterpart to Tamagotchi. Wait, Tamagotchi is feminine. Sure. I'm, you know. Yeah.
2: Yeah, uh, It's an egg. I don't know.
0: Okay. Not cool. (laughs) In any case, I guess the parent company was. Going back to Disney, uh, a little bit heavy handed with how they wanted him to make the movie. And I guess there's been some open talk about how when he made Summer Wars, he wanted to incorporate a lot of those ideas and aesthetics in a way that he had more control over. So.
1: And even if there's like he reused some ideas and and maybe even some uh, shots, like good for him for getting to make the movie that he wanted to you know i can't fault him for taking that stuff and going to get to do what he wants to then he got madhouse to do it who madhouse is one of kind of like the top so for you non uh anime nerds madhouse is the the production company that made this and madhouse is known for their high quality animation especially when it comes to action um they did like the first season of One Punch Man, which is uh, phenomenal. Uh, it's, it's great. Gotcha. And uh, so it's great that you got like that level of studio and, you know, pays off in some of the, the action scenes that somehow exist in this movie. Because as Brett, as you pointed out, this movie's got like 17 genres that they've managed to kind of shove into one movie.
0: Yeah. As long as we're talking about kind of anime as a whole, I'm going to totally derail us here. David, 10 second hot take, Cowboy Bebop, topicalness, go. Oh,
1: from what I've seen in the live action show, um I mean, you know, there's some rough edges. I think if it had gotten a second season, it could have found its footing more. Uh, I haven't finished the season yet. I haven't finished watching anything because my life is insanely busy right now. But, you know, it came, it went. That's it.
0: There you go, listeners. See, we're topical. So, uh, yes. This movie is a lot of genres. I kind of noted, like, it's a romantic comedy of the whole, you're going to pretend to be my fiance, but we're really going to fall in love. And then there's the impending disaster with an asteroid or or satellite. It's a satellite, right? Mm Mm-hmm. It's a satellite, not an asteroid, but it's a satellite that you know is going to fall to Earth, and we can program it with the GPS inside it where it needs to go. And then there's a science fiction movie inside of this, like the Ernest Cline stuff. And then there's it's also just kind of war games in the sense that the only person that is you know hacking into the the military's secret operation or solving the code is like fifteen, <sighs> and does it by accident. So th- there's a lot to unpack there, but I actually think it really works. Mm-hmm. I don't have a problem with it being as dizzying in genres as it is. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, I... Yeah.
0: yeah. go
1: ahead, Nicole. I
2: was just going to say, yeah. And then at the end, it turns into like Yu-Gi-Oh.
1: So... (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) It, It does a good job of blending... The genres and like none of none of what happens feels jarring, which is weird because you're right, the movie becomes war games in the middle of what starts as a romantic comedy. Right. But it but it never is so like, oh I guess we're just doing this now. It's like, okay, this is the next beat of the story. Like, great, let's just keep going.
0: I, I felt so immensely bad, even before we find out that Kenji, you know, didn't actually cause this. Good lord, do I feel bad for him throughout the entirety of this movie. <laughs> Is he just put in difficult situations one after another?
1: Gets arrested at one point.
0: Yeah, by a cop that's, like, not a cop? Did we ever fully unpack that in the movie? Because at one point, Kenji's like, this isn't a police car, and the cop seems like he's going to say something, and then something else happens.
2: No, does a cop, but, I mean, he's a local cop in a, what appears to be a fairly rural area. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like it's kind of like being sheriff in a podunk town is how I read it or the deputy in a podunk town.
0: Sure. I gotcha. So I I do want to call out some of these like I I was reading a ton on this movie this week about people who love it, people who hate it. It's actually a fairly divided audience amongst anime fans, from what I can tell. And the people who don't like it, I I think it's interesting to look at the criticisms because I agree with the fact they exist, but I don't think they detract from the film. In the sense that a lot of folks say that there are a lot of tropes in this story that, you know, grandma sees the good and the misfit and now she dies and he's obviously compelled to fulfill her last wish to take care of her granddaughter. There's a literal impact timer on the finale. The black sheep of the family is the one who caused the issue and now he has to tug at his heartstrings and come back and save the day with everyone. The local math genius solves problems in minutes causing worldwide panic, but also can do it without paper at the very end. But I don't I don't know if any of that matters. Like, I, yeah, it's a lot of tropey things. Uh, Nicole, you called out another one in our docket. You know, um, why is there a trope of stuff levitating before some kind of discharge of power? Good question.
2: Yeah, that takes place in the virtual world. You know, the first time they're able to capture the love machine <laughs> inside love machine. and create love that machine. <laughs> absolutely awesome visual of this sort of, Old style Japanese city springing up around it and all the gates slamming closed to keep it inside. And then when the love machine is building up power inside to escape, you see like the roof tiles start to levitate off some of the houses. And it's, and I remember that happening in Akira.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it did.
2: Before. This power buildup, and before it gets released, everything around him starts levitating. It even happens in Man of Steel. Like the first time he flies, you see like these little rocks levitating off the ground before he takes off. Right. And I don't know where this comes from. Do we know where this comes from? Why why is that a thing? Is it is it just something one animator came up with one day? Or is it based in something? Does it have something to do with, for example, does it have something to do with Hiroshima? Maybe, you know, where the shock wave came in advance and things lifted up off the ground before being blown away? I don't know. Um,
1: it could could just be like a a power thing, like you know, it seems powerful if things are levitating around an individual.
2: But why why not just like shake? Why levitate?
1: Because it it levitate's more powerful,
0: right? So that, that was that's my what I was going to mention is that it to me it's kind of the the hyper stylized version of the Jurassic Park water bottle. You know, <laughs> like you can just like something's coming, right? But I, right. I yeah, it's just it's a good question. I don't know. I was, I was doing some Googling on this, and I didn't really find anything that anyone had actually called this out as a specific trope. But you're absolutely right. We've seen it time and time again in animation.
1: Hold on. I've got an answer here for us, and I'm going to borrow a, a quote to answer it for us. Why, why does it go to 11? Oh, <laughs> well, because 11 is louder than 10. Why not just go to 10? <laughs> because 11 is louder than 10. Like, yeah, why, why not it's just shake? It's one more. Yeah, why is one it? more than 10? Yeah. Like, why, why is it levitating?
0: Off topic. I was so happy when I recently bought a new audio interface to see that it goes to eleven. Just a <laughs> silent little nod there. I was like, "That's great." Currently, it's six. Uh, so also, when they when, we're not quite at eleven right now. When they capture, well, we're gonna get there from the end of the episode.
1: When they capture the love machine, God, I love saying that. Um, when, they, <laughs> when they capture the love machine in the the old style, you know, Japanese building trap. They start then flooding it with water. Like there's just some stuff about. Like I just you roll with the punches when you're watching it, but there was a part of me watching it with a more critical eye this time. And I'm like, huh, why? Why is that programmed into Oz?
2: Oh, there's lots of things you could uh-huh. pick at yeah. with this. Yeah, the movie, Oz in particular, <laughs> especially with the metaphors in the virtual world. Why? What are they flooding it with? Really? Right, exactly. What is it? An analog for? What's it supposed to be? Yeah. Are and they and like dumping? Little... I don't know extra, extra data crap data into it to overload it, or
0: it's a good question. There is no real logic to how anything in Oz works, <laughs> and I am going to lean heavily on the fact that this was in two thousand nine, and that even if you look at like, because ostensibly, like it's an MMO, right? <laughs> like, but it's an MMO that's tied to your life, and the way I kind of actually see it is like Oz is basically WeChat. Like WeChat is quite literally something that many folks in China build their entire lives around. You don't just talk in WeChat. You online shop in WeChat. You don't, you're don't you not using separate websites. You use WeChat. You buy your transit passes on WeChat. If you want to go get on a train or talk to somebody or do anything, you go through WeChat in China. And they're not living with virtual, you know, wild avatars flying around a space. But I do think that the whole idea and now with the whole metaverse from from Facebook I, I actually do think the idea of like a virtual space being tied to very individualistic things your identity your your banking that sort of thing is not as crazy as this movie makes it feel <laughs> it, it is kind of in the nearest future but but maybe this is a good good use case for why it's a problem
1: <laughs> except for the part where Governments are run out of it, where
0: they can't stop a satellite because the controls. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know if the government's running out of WeChat in China. <laughs> right. No,
2: I suspect uh, the government is running WeChat in China. Yes, uh, so. right.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. And like, there's there's one line in this movie where they say if they get a hold of the president's account, they'll be able to fire off all the missiles. <laughs> good lord <laughs> right <laughs> why why would you keep that cuz they
1: they say you know it's a throwaway line at the beginning of uh oh it's the most like it's the most secure system in the world so that's why everybody uses it but like it's it's so insane
2: well i remember it was a huge deal here when obama got a twitter account you know the official presidential yeah. Twitter account and his presidential BlackBerry for tweeting.
1: Right, because if somebody got access to his Twitter account, they would be able to control
0: the drones.
2: <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, turns
0: out having an unhinged presidential Twitter account, uh, at least, no drones are fired.
2: I mean, you could, yeah, you could say that drones would follow whatever the presidential Twitter account said because we've seen evidence. Never mind. Anyway, <laughs>
1: commentary.
2: I'm just going to leave that, but um, yeah, I did note on this topic that it's op- I think it's optimistic to think that you could get multiple different industries to use the same online system for administrative stuff. It would never work in the United States, because some offices have the latest technology and some are still on Windows 95, and some sure. still just use paper, and they call people on the telephone and do their ordering and keeping track of things that way and use filing cabinets and whatnot. Oh I, my goodness.
1: I love the idea of Oz though. It's the internet as it was supposed to be like it's that beautiful yeah. utopian idea of the internet. Yes. And that yeah. is not at all what we have, but I watched this and I, yeah. I watched it and it seems like sort of silly but at the same time it's like oh man I'd love to be in Oz.
0: Okay, I'm going to I'm going to sound super young here so maybe Maybe someone else can help me here. What is the name of the the app that was on like the Mac 2 or something that was like the miniature town and like in order to get on the Internet, you'd like walk over to the Internet thing and then there'd be like a library thing for like an encyclopedia. And like that's how you navigated the Internet was through this like visual interface of a town.
2: I don't know. I had a PC. Here.
1: Yeah, uh, Brett. I don't know what fever dream you're, uh, you're channeling here. Um, I, I I have not heard of this. I'll I'll uh,
0: find it some point during this.
1: I'm just googling Mac Internet Town, and <laughs> that's not getting me anywhere.
0: <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll circle back if I find anything. But yeah, you're you, The reason I bring it up is because like that was the stuff like that was an early visual output of what they believe the internet could be was you physically walking around this little town getting data from every little source and and that's the weird thing to me is I can't figure out what they're doing when they're in Oz whatever <laughs> like, anything
1: whatever you want but like
0: but the, the only thing we ever see anyone do in Oz is clerical work <laughs> there's well, we see clerk work there's but
1: there's a fighting there's fighting tournament. They talk about like games, people are like playing tennis. We see like an arena of people playing tennis and watching oh, people okay. watching mm-hmm. tennis. People just watch these things in the digital world. Um
2: just online shopping. Yeah,
1: one thing they did get right is that they that you could pay extra money in microtransactions to buy clothes for your avatar. <laughs> that was yes. that was pretty spot on. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that was. And also watching watching things, you know, virtual things online is, is you know, Twitch. So. It's,
2: it's incredibly optimistic to think that you could make a virtual world where there's only one troll.
1: <laughs> right. Um, no, what is uh, what is the kid's name? The one that is Kazuma. Is, is his
2: name Cosimo? Yeah, Kazuma? Yeah, uh, Kazuma. Kazuma. So it's King Kazuma. In the virtual one, I mean, it's Kazuma.
1: Kazuma. Well, but he he talks about it being a sport, um, that it's not a game; yeah. it's a sport. And now it's like, sure, yeah, that's how it's all kind of viewed. But like in the like in 2009, if you called video games a sport, you would still have some people kind of laughing at you. You know, brushing brushing it up. I know you saw some people oh, yeah. laughing at you now, but like more so, it was not even an idea that there would be esports back then
0: oh sure yeah uh no it's Oz makes no sense but I'm here for it I I just <laughs> it's it, it's so uh, who was it that put in our chat uh, uh David that you know the elaborate martial arts battle controlled entirely by horrible horribly inefficient keystrokes like that's apparently <laughs> how you play this game he would have he
1: would have a game pad if there was actual martial arts fighting in this he would not be doing it with and i just love the shots of his hands flying across the keyboard i know Uh, (laughs) you know anybody who's played mmos knows how terrible key bindings are (laughs) set up like there's no efficient way to do martial arts moves in a video game with with a keyboard
0: Considering it's it's Japanese and also rooted in something that might be Digimon, I'm surprised it didn't just turn into like turn based combat. <laughs> like they land on each side of the screen and each of them has one hit. And they
1: showed the, um, and I can't keep, there's like 18 million of them. We haven't, ba- we've barely talked about the family, but there's 18, there's, uh, Kazuma's like master who's like, I don't know, his like third cousin, twice removed uncle, whatever. He, it like, saves him.
2: Uh, Munske. Yeah. Munske, the fisherman. Yes. The blonde guy with the mustache. Yeah.
1: yeah. He, like, saves him, and it shows him doing it on a DS. <laughs> it's like, wait, so how does the <laughs> combat in this world work that somebody on a keyboard and somebody on, like, a DS could, like,
0: cross over? And on a flip phone. And can, on a flip phone. You can phone. use it on anything. Yep. <laughs> and, yeah. the, and that's a weird well,
2: thing. Well, I mean, that's accurate, too. That's an accurate prediction, that, like, people are on their phones playing in the, you know, in the online world. People are on gamepads people are on keyboards i
1: just love that he saved him with the ds though when they made this whole big deal yes. of like oh you have to have the latest hardware to like stand right. a chance and he's just over there with this 2d 2d avatar going at it
0: and and there's one point in this movie where kenji is is doing something in the game or or in the world of oz and and you see it in oz and he's like jumping around and he's dragging away someone in the game and then it cuts back to him looking at his little razor and it's just this little avatar of his character, kind of jumping up and down. So, part of me wonders if the visuals are stylized for the purpose of the movie, and that what they are seeing on their screens might not equate to what we're seeing in the in the movie version of Oz. Do you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, no, it's it's like the Matrix, it's where you know yeah, the control yeah. the operator is see- just seeing the code drifting down the screens, but to us it translates as this realistic virtual world
1: yeah we have, we only ever see the interface of oz from like phones or like the ds as i mentioned we never actually really see what it looks like on a full-blown computer and not, i'd be curious to see that
0: yeah 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 i would be too um moving on to some of our other discussion topics here uh the details in the house gave it a realistic sense of place i love that
2: house yes. i mean Great house. No, number one, it's a huge, it's a huge house. It's a huge, beautiful house. But they have, like, they've got their formal dining area where everyone sits on the floor, but they have, like, a kitchen table and all the chairs are mismatched. You know, you can see they're dragged all from different parts of the house. Cosma does his computing in a closet. The house also has the morning glories all around it in these huge rows, there's a whole motif of morning glories, uh, which I would, I don't know if it's supposed to just symbolize life and you know, they close and they go to sleep at night and they wake up in the morning. But the one thing I noticed that I wouldn't have caught but I watched it with Brian and he pointed it out to me is that King Cosma is a rabbit in the virtual world. He's got the the rabbit ears and everything. And in the house, there's a suit of samurai armor. And it has two big prongs on the front of the helmet. And so, you know, he's made a character that correlates to his family. In a way, which I thought was a really nice touch, particularly for, you know, this tween kid who at this age would normally be kind of pulling away, especially someone who seems as sort of reclusive as he does.
1: According to Wikipedia, he's a a hikikomori, which did not really feel like it came through. Hikikomoris typically don't have doors you can just open and wander into. Uh, Hikikomori, for those who who aren't aware, is a a thing in Japan um, where it's primarily young men uh, who have shut themselves off from the world
2: Entirely.
1: Um, like They do not go outside. They they live with their parents. They only open the door to get food and never leave their rooms.
0: Yeah, I don't think he's that. Yeah, Japan
2: needs to work on um, its mental health uh, services.
0: (laughs) You don't say.
2: Not that we're doing a lot better, but...
0: (laughs) Right. Uh, Yeah, but David, you called out, you know, some of the shots of this house uh, are just beautiful. And I actually think there's... So, one of the most beautiful shots in the film to me are when they, you know, just happen to perfectly, you know, redirect this satellite 100 yards in the wrong direction, and the whole house kind of falls apart, and it's actually beautifully animated. It's a really interesting it scene. Um, it, it's just a gorgeous, it interesting is. house. And there's
1: just, there's some, like, real care for, like, slow the movie down at times, and It just kind of, it has a couple of these long panning shots of, like, parts of the house, that are just really nice to look at that i hadn't really like i'd taken in before but i hadn't really like looked at and it's just it's just really nice
2: right and it's not always for no reason a lot of it is kenji wandering around mm-hmm. getting lost because the house is so big yeah
1: i love it he gets he gets lost at one point and just has no idea where he is
0: no yeah i i love that too additionally well first of all i'm vindicated guys i found it and I put it in our chat and we'll put it in our show What'd notes. What did
2: you find? I forgot what you were finding.
0: <laughs> it's called eWorld. This was a thing that Mac had in the mid-90s. And you'll see a photo in that link I just sent where you could walk around the square, or like click oh, through the square. There's like the business is- center and the mail center and the community center. And like, this is mini me version of like what Oz is supposed to turn into. This looks vaguely
1: familiar, but I could just be conflating it with other (laughs) memories from the past.
0: (laughs) Yes, it was launched in 1994, maybe, and and only lasted about a year.
1: Yeah, it was gone in 96, it looks like.
0: Yeah, it turns out $9 a month for two two hours of access time.
2: (laughs) Oh, the early internet.
0: (laughs) But that's totally like Web 1.0 aesthetic right which is like walk over to the computer center and then there's an internet on ramp you you get on the internet highway in order to use the internet
2: super highway information Information super super information super highway yeah right
0: right now now baseball that's also a background story throughout the entirety of this movie uh the background story of the baseball game really helps ground the movie a bit yeah
1: that's something I, I threw in there because it was just nice to kind of touch back in that it's like, oh, the world's ending and all this crazy stuff's happening in this, like in the digital world. And it just kind of cuts to like, there's this high school baseball game going on and it's it's just happening.
2: Yeah. That's on television. Yeah. High oh, school baseball game. I mean, yeah. that's how seriously they yeah. take baseball. Yeah.
1: Baseball's in huge in Japan. Yeah.
2: But I love that the mom um, with the braid, who's, you know, whose son is in the high school championship game as uh, Yumi, and she's wearing baseball shirts, in a co- like uniform shirts, a couple of times while she's watching. And one of them is for Daisuke Matsuzaka, who played for the Boston Red Sox. Oh. He was known locally as Daisuke, Dice-K, because, you know, Boston, we can't pronounce Japanese stuff. What are you talking about? Daisuke. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> But uh, the Red Sox likes Japanese pitchers. We've had six. So, All right. <laughs> wow. And then she's, she's got uh, Saito also, but he plays for another team, and I don't know which one. Um, <laughs> oh, very cool. But in any case, yeah, she's got her three sons, Ryohei, Kyohei, and Yuhei. And Ryohei is the high schooler playing in the game.
0: No, it is cool. I think you're totally right, David. It is like a grounding element for the movie because there is this very normal thing happening on the sidelines that one person in particular seems to really care about. a the the
2: baseball mom, and that helps. If you've ever been a sports mom, <laughs> right, right. But
0: I think it, I think it helps because it it helps diffuse some of the natural. Uh, skepticism of the viewer saying, hmm, seems like everything important in the world is happening in this household right now. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: right. You know? Right. That tunnel visioning that, that tends to happen.
2: It's a microcosm. Yeah.
1: Um, and and I'll, I just love once like after the the mom dies the, or the the grandma uh, the great grandma depending on which, which which generation in this family you are changes who she is mm-hmm. to you but I love that she's got that that picture of her that she's holding up like at the TV
0: while the the right. game's going on
2: picture of grandma so she can watch the game too yeah
0: did you guys notice that her picture. Pulls, like, a haunted mansion at the end of the movie? Yeah, that's... the, the Yeah. What? That part...
2: It's not
1: subtle. That part bugs. I don't know why. Like, it's the one thing about the movie that I'm like, what? It's
0: so weird. <laughs> her, for, for, for listeners, there's this photo they have of her at her memorial, which they make her 80th birthday or 90th birthday, whatever. I think it's 80. 90th. 90th? Okay, 90th. It is Um, 90th. And they just decide to use this photo then, and it's in the middle of, you know, the the nice little shrine or whatever they have for her and uh she's smiling nicely in it and then it like cuts back to it after the two protagonists kiss and she just just has this eating grin on her face and it's so weird it, it is it
1: is weird it's like the last shot of the movie too or like one of the very last shots of the movie it, i don't know i don't have an explanation for it it happens and each time i'm just i'm always scratching
0: my head a weird, but now. But speaking of that, grandma, n- the most realistic thing in this movie is that the world's impending collapse is held together by a grandmother's Rolodex. That just when <laughs> when everything is is completely you know gone, gone, to hell in a handbasket, she just starts calling up everyone and their brother, just giving them tough love and inspiration to keep the good fight going, and it's so wholesome, but also so on brand for someone who has come out of the greatest generation. And I don't know how that is for folks that grew up in Japan versus in The United States, because I understand those are two different sides of that war, but I, at least in the United States, people of that generation were very much of the mindset of you can do these tiny little things within your community, the fight, the good fight. And, you know, it it was, it was, you know, buying freedom bonds and, and rationing certain things. And, you know, there were little things you could do to support the troops and growing your
2: victory garden.
0: Right. Right. And she has that that like clicks on with her. In that moment, and she just immediately goes to work with the one thing she can do, which is using her influence as a grant, as a statesman elder, you know, in their community, with all these, you know, myriad of grandchildren underneath her, to start calling them. I just thought that was cool. I'd be curious though. I'd be curious what what kids, if having she, a person of her age, having grown up through those conflicts and times, what that looked like for her in comparison to what I know it was like for an American. I'd be very curious
2: well i mean you know and being a woman she was expected to look after the household right primarily but you know here in america of course the women were called upon to go to work in some places where most of the men had left you know like factory towns most of the men of eligible age leave leaves the factory empty gotta keep the industry going so yeah Uh a lot of women stepped up
0: well she's no slouch with a battle spear that's for sure
2: yeah, oh yeah, the Naganata she threatens her <laughs> adopted son with. Yeah. Oh,
1: that's
0: yeah. the other that's the other trope that the adopted son is like is the one that's the black sheep that never quite fit into the family that goes off on his own.
2: Right. Uh-huh. Well, it's nice that she accepted him into the family. You know, he's the bastard child of her husband. Right. Um I guess a a late life. Um, right well child
1: yeah so. well he's supposed to be he's supposed to be forty one is he yeah i'm I'm looking right now apparently on the on the Wikipedia says <laughs> so he's supposed to be forty one
0: i mean I guess that kind of tracks if he's the uncle of the, of what's our female protagonist name
2: natsuki
1: he's not her uncle he is
2: he's her great uncle
1: he's yeah it's like her was well, also or like a cousin twice removed grandma's
2: her great grandma
1: yeah it's it gets wacky um also, the, the probably the most unbelievable part of this movie, despite everything we've said, is that uh, he at the end because he he's the one that created Love Machine. Uh, never, not gonna love saying that. Yeah. Um, and at the end, they're like, "Oh well, this guy created it, but it was the the government was the ones that released it, so they're the ones that are in trouble." And it's like, no, no,
2: he would <laughs> he
1: would be the one going down for that. A hundred percent.
0: Yeah, you can't roll with them just following orders anymore.
2: You handed that over to the government.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: you didn't didn't build any backdoors into it. Didn't build any failsafes into it. He's
1: well, he's like trying to dismantle it during the big, but he's fairly useless. <laughs>
0: he kind of yeah, is the yeah, weakest storyline, yeah. though. Like like that because essentially the justification ends up being, "Look, grandmother, all the money that you gave me, I went and." became a defense contractor so our family could be <laughs> could be even wealthier than ever before and I, I think he's he's probably the weakest link of the writing for me but um well because there's a ton of pride
1: around this family i mean they you know they have all this history and they used to have all this money that's gone now and you know there's and obviously like for him there's that pride of like look i went and got the money back like yeah. uh, how great am i
0: but have you ever mathed Where so else? hard that you bled? Because that's my favorite scene <laughs> in the movie. You know, Kenji's just mathing so hard that his nose starts to
2: bleed. Well, it's high pressure situation.
0: I mean, I, I mean, yeah. I mean, he's it's his nose bleeds the second time in the last scene when he gets really stressed out all over again. I just found that very. Oh, funny. Oh, that's
1: a that's an anime thing.
2: Oh, that's such a gross trope. I'm sorry. It is. It's a stand... <laughs> I know it's a cultural thing, but I've. It is. I find it really gross. So,
1: so it's it's a, basically a stand-in for an, an erection in anime.
2: Yeah, I know.
1: Uh, I was explaining yeah, I was that. Uh, oh. oh,
2: okay. <laughs> so wait, yeah.
0: where does that track the first time around then?
1: Well, oh, like, the first, I mean, that's just, he's doing so much math in his brain that it's... That he gets an like, erection. No, that, that, <laughs> that it's like he's, he's it's having an aneurysm. Driving
2: his, his blood pressure up, yeah.
0: I understand. Yeah. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> Yeah, that that was that was bizarre. The more you know. And then also this movie's climax is a card game. <laughs> Nicole, you mentioned, you know, it's kind of Yu-Gi-Oh-esque. But uh good callback, I guess, to two other points in the movie.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's... I know literally nothing about the game of Hanafuda, which is the name of the card game. But it looks a little like the card equivalent of Mahjong. Yeah. And it's interesting. I was Wow, that's really, pinning your movie on that seems, it's definitely not something you would do in an American movie. And the Blu-ray that I bought has interviews with a lot of the cast and with the writer-director, and the director said that he intended and designed his film for a Japanese audience. And so he was nervous taking it to international film festivals, but it did get a really good reception so it got a release i don't think it was a it was a modest success yeah, okay. overseas but it was a it was a i believe a
1: it was it was very turned a good profit in japan. it was very yeah it did very well in japan
0: right on very good uh so
2: but i mean hanafuda is definitely so 100 something that no American
0: hanafuda <laughs>
2: almost no americans would get
1: hanafuda um is a type of card I guess the game they were playing was Koi Koi.
2: Oh, okay.
1: Which is, you know, why they kept saying Koi Koi. But yeah, I also thought it was called Hanafuda, but like looking at, I just looked up Hanafuda and it's a it's a style of Japanese playing cards.
2: Oh, gotcha. okay. Because in like Mahjong, about- you have to call, in Mahjong, you have to call out Kong or Pong uh, for certain plays of tiles that you put down.
1: Uh, yeah. so, so. so the Koi Koi... <laughs> bringing this late to the game here,
2: correct. Right. <laughs> koi
1: koi is is what you say when you want to continue the round. So if they don't if they don't call koi koi, it's basically being like, okay, I'm confident that I'm going to win this. I don't want to keep playing.
2: Yeah. I'm good. Gotcha.
0: The more you Very know, cool. yeah. The more you know. Times, yeah. So I'm taking a look here. You know, opening weekend in the U S. and Canada made fourteen hundred dollars. I'm assuming that's because it was in like nine screens or something like that. Gross U S. and Canada was about eighty thousand dollars, but gross worldwide was eighteen million. Mm, not bad. So it certainly did better worldwide.
1: And it, it was it was considered like if you look up like oh you know some of the, like the best anime movies, especially like recent like anime movies, it it comes up in that list quite a bit.
0: Yeah, yeah, I believe that.
2: No, it's beautifully rendered. You know, it gets very emotional in parts when when Grandma dies. I know. It you know, gets super emotional and there's this beautiful sequence after where the camera sort of travels through the house and everyone's looking out onto the landscape silently. And so you see everyone almost silhouetted against the sky and this huge mounting cloud in a blue sky and it's gorgeous. Gorgeous, and it really lets the emotion sink in, in those moments. And I really liked that in this movie.
0: Absolutely agreed. Well, Uh, I'm looking at it, and the director has a new movie that just came out this year, suzu is a shy high school student living in a rural village for years she's been a shadow of herself but when she enters you a massive virtual online world she escapes into (laughs) her online persona as belle the globally beloved singer he certainly has a thing (laughs) he's got a
2: i guess
0: that's his thing
2: he's not done exploring the possibilities of a virtual world
0: this looks really cool though because for some reason in this virtual world this protagonist seems to be a massive star. And I kind of wonder how you become a massive star in a virtual world. Maybe we'll have to check oh, this out. Well,
1: well uh, I mean, Japan has, I mean, I know there's He's got
2: a virtual singing star, right? Uh,
1: Hakani uh, Yeah. Yeah. I think so. They, yeah, they have like these things. They're called Vocaloids, which are like these programs that create like that sing, you know, you can program them to sing and <laughs> they have like personas with them. In ha Hakunimitsu, I, Uh, I'm pretty sure I'm getting that name there, right? I'm sure 50,000 emails are flooding in that somehow found this show, but has like concerts and you go and you watch a hologram perform.
0: Interesting. Wow. It is such a different culture. Uh, But that's why we do Around the World. (laughs) Uh, I think we'll end on, you know, the final trope of the film, which is that everything works out to great fortune in the end. Uh, David, you mentioned that that's kind of just an anime thing, right? Yeah, they find a hot spring, which,
1: you know, great.
2: Oh, right. their, you know
1: they're all their <laughs> the
2: onsen in their backyard all
1: their money woes are going to be taken care of uh and you know that that reminded me of tokyo uh godfathers or uh, where they you know at the end oh they've won the lottery and they're going to have all that money or whatever it was it's just if you're down on their luck at the end don't worry everything's going to work out great unless this is grave of the fireflies <laughs> then it's going to be horribly depressing
0: Right on. Well, I can also say that, um, Kenji is on IBM polls, animation characters that belong in prison. <laughs> listed on the side of, of the IMDb as, as being one of the polls that seems like a character in this movie is in. That's hilarious.
1: Alrighty. Hatsune, Hatsune Miku. Okay, stop your emails. Hatsune Miku, I remembered. <laughs>
2: right. you know one thing we didn't mention yet though is how badass was the avatar for Love Machine
1: oh, oh it yeah. was so cool it, it, the design was so good
2: it's an amazing design Yeah, the huge and the big like tracks across the muscles and the helmet and the yes oh, it very it's big. hard to describe
0: oh, oh we'd be so lucky <laughs> to have the world ended by Love Machine if that's the way we have to go that ridiculous Kaiju looking thing at the very end—it's insane. I'm into it. Uh, yes. Yeah,
2: well, I thought if the world was going to be ended by Love Machine, it would have been Barry White. But
0: hey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, uh, that'd
2: be a better way to go. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. <laughs> All right, Summer Wars. Uh, let's let's start with you know uh, Nicole. You'd never seen this before, just like me. Um, kind of new to it. What are your What are your final thoughts?
2: I really enjoyed this. I watched it, it, like I said, in both English and in Japanese. Uh, both versions are excellent. The dub is really well done. Um, so if you would ordinarily stay away because that's, you don't like it, you know, that's something you could do if you need to put it on in the background and not be looking at it. But you should look at it. It's beautiful. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the I don't know if I'd recommend buying, you know, the Blu-ray with all the extras because they're just interviews with the cast and the Every single one of the cast is like, oh, yes, I thought this character was an interesting challenge. And, (laughs) well, you know, they're just trying to do their best in a difficult situation. And, you know, pretty much just that, except for the one actress who plays the grandmother who had never done voiceover work before. And she was literally wearing a traditional full kimono to her vocal sessions, uh, showing up for work. So she was very classically trained actress, but she had a good time. Yeah, so, for her. Which is nice. Yeah, right on. Um, I would, yeah, I would recommend. I do not regret buying this. So if you feel like it's either slap 20 bucks down and give some money to the people who made this movie or be cheap about it, I would <laughs> recommend you save your pennies and buy the $20 version. <laughs>
0: I, I would agree. I would agree. I really enjoyed it and would love to actually get a physical copy of it. So that'll be on my to-do list. Uh, but David, any final thoughts on Summer Wars?
1: No, I'm, I'm glad that you both uh, enjoyed it. And uh, we had a lot of fun talking about it. And I know, like we talked about some of the more ridiculous, like weird stuff, but within the world of the movie and the logic of it, it all tracks and works. Uh, so um, I, yeah, you know, if you're not really an anime person at all, I don't know if this movie will appeal to you. But if you, you know, if you don't mind watching some anime every once in a while, then I th- you'll probably enjoy it.
0: Absolutely.
2: I think there's a lot to enjoy with the family drama.
1: I, I do agree. I think just like then when you have the, the martial arts fighting rabbit, uh might, <laughs> might lose some people. Which I love, but I love the, the rabbit.
2: And Natsuki's avatar is a rabbit also. Mm-hmm. The, the one that she plays cards with at the end. She's got the rabbit ears as well. Yep
0: right on very good nice well reminder next week is you did this to us it'll be in the show notes as to what you ended up voting on but you did this to us.com oh if you'd like to go ahead and follow along on whatever that is uh let's we'll see where we can find everyone online nicole what are you up to
2: uh things and stuff uh we're we're recording during a very busy time my brain's not working too good right now <laughs> Uh, you can find me on Letterboxd at Nicole underscore Davis.
0: Very, very good. And you, David? Davla, D A V L U Z, Twitter and Instagram. Find me there. Very good. You can find me at I Am Brett Stewart on Twitter. And of course, email the show at hi, hi at mgrpodcast.com. And you can go ahead and follow the show at all these links and more, social.mgrpodcast.com. But I'll do it for myself, David and Nicole. We'll see you next week with You Did This To Us.